When you're in a group gathering or family gathering, there are two subjects you should always avoid. What are they? Politics and religion. We're going to talk about both today. So, I hope nobody brought any weapons. I'm just kidding. We wouldn't do that. But we, um, <laughs> careful. We, uh, we need to, and, and it's one reason why I preach expository series of sermons, is it, it brings you to passages of scripture that you, you can't just skip over. You have to, to consider the whole of God's teaching, the whole of his word. And God has a lot to say in our passage today about uh, what our relationship would be and should be to the state. It's said that God establishes, established three organizations. He established the home, he established the church, and he established the state. We happen to live in America, but it's, it's very uh, easy for us sometimes to think that democracy is the only form of government. Do you know that for most of human history, uh, democracy has not been the primary form of government? Even today, it is not the primary form of government in the majority of the world's population. Winston Churchill said that democracy is the worst form of government unless you consider all the alternatives. We are, for those of us here in the United States of America, and I, for one, feel blessed to be here. Uh, but I also know and, and think that uh, we need to discuss our relationship with the state. How do we live as Christians in a nation which is not necessarily Christian. In fact, we see it's increasingly becoming secular. There's this division uh, overly emphasized today between church and state. There are lots of questions that probably you will come to mind and, and you may think about as we're talking today. And I will say to you, there's no way I can cover all of those answers. And even more, I can't tell you what to think. But I think it's vital for us to raise the questions. I think it's vital for us to allow God uh, to teach us, for us to open our ears and our eyes and our hearts to what he has to say to us today. For instance, what does it mean to be a Christian living under a pagan government? Is violent revolution ever justified? What about capital punishment? Is it wrong to pay taxes to an unjust government? What about picketing abortion clinics? Under what circumstances should Christians disobey the law? Should colonial Christians have supported the American Revolution? Is it wrong to refuse to pay taxes as a protest against abortion? What about the separation of church and state? Should Christians serve in the armed forces? How do you respond when those over you are corrupt? How far should we go to express our Christian concerns? You see, the topic is broad. But let us listen to what God has to say to us today. We're in Romans 13, uh, verses 1 through 7. <clears throat> it reads like this, Let everyone be subject to the governor authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. 
Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and you will be committed. For one, the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If you revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. That passage is broad. But I've broken it down into three uh, subjects and then uh, two questions that we'll focus on today. The first thing this passage teaches us is the source of government. And and maybe uh, unless you've read this before, it's a surprise to you. Uh, But I, I think so oftentimes our view of God, we have shaped to fit into what we can understand. Uh, But I will tell you from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation, the Bible tells us that God is sovereign over all things. That means he has created this world and he and all things that happen, if he doesn't cause them to happen, he at least allows them to happen. And so we look at this passage as it begins and it tells us that a government authority is established by God. It's established by God. Again, in verse 1, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there's no ex- authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. The, the word in Greek is exousia. It means power or authority. It means the right to do something. So those in the political government over us have the right to lead us, to make laws. Uh, Judges have the right to decide when someone has broken a law and and subsequent punishment. Uh, And uh, the home parents have the authority uh, to uh, make sure the kids are raised in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And so it goes. But what we need to understand is uh, almost for all of us, we're either in authority or we're under authority. And most of the time we're both. Right? If you're a teacher, you're in authority over your class, but you're under the authority of the principal. Who, the principal's under the authority of the school board. Uh, so you see, we're always doing this dance in relationship with authority. And, and what this is saying is, as we give our life to Christ, we, we allow him to direct us, but we need to understand that, that God has established government. What this passage clearly teaches is there's no place in the Christian mindset for anarchy. That is, no government. And even more, we need to understand that God has allowed the government to happen. He can make happen whatever he wants to happen. He is sovereign. And and so it it might blow your mind to hear this. You might be able to think that uh, the United States of America, our government, is, yeah, we can be subject to it. (laughs) But what you need to understand is this was written under the Roman rule of Nero, one of the cruelest leaders the world has ever known. The Roman Empire had absolute power over a wide swath, including the Holy Land uh, in this time in the world. But Nero, most scholars think, was, if not insane, he was unstable. 
For Christians under Nero's rule, if you came to his attention in a negative way, he would have you imprisoned. He perhaps would have you set on fire. A little later, they would uh, put the Christians in with lines in the gladiatorial arena. As you think about that, understand this. This is truth. This is God's truth. That our government, the authority of the government has, has been established by God. It's not for us to question. It's not for us to discuss. We need to understand that. And, and the second truth this teaches then is to rebel brings punishment. To rebel brings punishment. How should we react? How, what, what should our attitude be as we think about uh, living in our under this government that we're in or if I was preaching in Panama or Thailand or Russia I, the same thing how do we live in this uh, country as a citizen of this country and also as a citizen of God's kingdom that's the subject at hand consequently whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Now, I think that judgment means both from the secular authorities, from the the governmental authorities. I also think it means judgment from God. I I think it is our, uh, in Christian conscience, that we just set out to be uh, the best citizens we can be of the country that we live in. And if we rebel, then it brings punishment. I think it's mostly about attitude that we need to talk today about attitude we can all find things that we disagree with uh, that the government does but as we enter into this understanding that we're both Christian citizens and American citizens what should our attitude be this says to be subject to it means to submit to and you might want to write this definition down Submission means believing that God is able to accomplish his will in my life through those he has placed in authority over me. Submission means believing that God is to accomplish his will in my life through those he has placed in authority over me. God is sovereign in establishing the authorities. He's also, as we surrender our will to his, he's working in our life in ways that are seen and unseen, in ways that might be mysterious to us. And I'm saying to you, he can be working in that government, even if we disagree with it, as we, he's established him an authority over us, he can be working to achieve his will, to accomplish his will. It's about an attitude of the heart, really, isn't it? Are we going to be cynical? Are we going to be jaded? Are we going to be rebellious? Are we going to trust God are we going to seek to make our country the best it can be are we going to seek to pray for our leaders are we going to seek to submit to those leaders that is the question that brings me to in verses three and four the second subject I want to talk about today the the ministry of government that might seem odd to you for me to say ministry and government in the same place but you notice in these two verses It calls these authorities God's servants, servants of God. That's what ministry means, is servant. And that's why we often call the presidential terms 
we term them in this encompassing term the presidential administration. It, it, they're taking this task, and, and if we understand that God establishes them, that God established George Washington, that God established Abe Lincoln, that God established Franklin, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and on you go. We, we see there, as we see the, that lengthy span of our country's history, but it's not so lengthy compared to many other countries. As we see that, we see that God has established all kinds of rulers, but all of them he brought to, to, to power to serve uh, this country and its people. God is the ultimate independent. I don't believe God is Democrat or Republican. For after all, what would he do with all the other countries in the world? And I would suggest to you to, to not try to put God in a box of human, humanity's making. See, here we see that God has established them to, to function as organizers, as uh, keeping uh, rebellion and anarchy at bay. God brings in these servants up to, to power uh, to serve us, to, to make sure we take care of those things that a group would have trouble taking out by themselves, taking care of by themselves. So verse 3 says, For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. You want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commanded. You know, uh, there's a lot of talk today about uh, police brutality. I often find that uh, it would be easy to just not put ourselves in those situations where we might run afoul of the police. Uh, one of the primary duties of the government is to punish the wicked. That is, to punish those who go against the rules of the land, the laws of the land. To bring consequences, to, to shape that behavior in a different way, if necessary, to remove that person from being able to inflict harm on others. That's the role of government. <clears throat> it is such a hassle to fly these days, isn't it? How many of us love not being able to take uh, so much shampoo on a, on a plane without uh, having it confiscated? Do you know this past year, it just came out, the TSA confiscated almost 3,000 handguns from people as they went through the checkout line? I'm, I'm glad they're doing that. But it is a hassle to take off your shoes. Boy, uh, it's not much fun to fly. But we had to do that. Uh, our government responded in such a way after the horrific events of 9-11. They're doing that to take care of us. And if we violate those laws, then at best they confiscate our material. If we protest enough, they can arrest us and imprison us. I would say to you, I am certainly glad I came of age in the 80s than I did now. Let me tell you what happened. I, I was in, on a college trip. Now, this was a good gig. I got to go to Spain for two weeks and read a couple books and write a paper or two and got college credit to go over New Year's to Spain between December 1982 and the early part of January 1983. Went to Spain. But I almost didn't make it. We got to JFK Airport in New York, and I was with a group. Our, our class was about 10 people who were traveling along with our professor. 
And so I set my bag down to go through the check-in, and I said, watch out for the bomb. It's at least in the top five of the dumbest things I've ever done. Listen here, young people. Do not do what your preacher did. Because in today's world, today's society, you would be under the jail if you did that. Right? They exist to make us safe as we fly. That's just one example. Yes, it is a hassle to go 25 miles an hour down Gage Street. But the laws have been established to protect us, to keep us safe. Those servants, they are God's servants to create an orderly society. Uh, you may argue about this law or that, but we need to understand that one of government's duties as a servant is to punish the wicked. This scripture also says they are there to reward the righteous. Verse 4, for the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. If we take God's word seriously, if we seek to live our life to please God, I believe we will not wander into areas where we would be punished in most aspects, most subjects. Uh, even more, I believe that God wants to bless us as a people. I think he puts uh, those folks, he establishes those authorities to help us get there. But if we go wrong, uh, there is that negative consequence. The third subject I see here in this passage is the support of government. How are we as Christians to support our government? And we don't like these verses too much, uh, but I again say it's an attitude of the heart. Uh, I would suggest we see these words positively and see what we can do to support our country, to serve our country, to be the best American citizens we can be. Why are we to support the, the authorities? Why are we to support the state? Romans 13, 5. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not because, only because of God, a possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. Not just avoid the negative consequences, but as a matter of conscience, as, a, as one who wants to, to bless others, as one who wants to be a positive force for others. It is important for us to support our government. And then the how is verses 6 and 7. This is why you also pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. You might say, well, our taxes are outrageous. And they are high, given our country's history, relatively. But understand, in Roman times, Rome had an income tax, a head tax, a poll tax, a road tax, a wagon tax, a crop tax, an import tax, an export tax, an harbor tax, and a bridge tax, to name only some of the taxes. So he writes this, to people who were under far greater burden of taxes. Even more to Christian people who were persecuted. Yet he still says, as a matter, to, a matter of the heart, as a matter of conscience, you support, you pay taxes. You, you give respect, you give honor 
If you disagree, you still respect and honor. That leads me to two practical questions. I won't address all the questions I began with, but uh, this is a couple that I think we need to talk about. What do we do when faith conflicts with law? What do we do when government walks that line, if not crosses it, of, of asking us to do something that God tells us not to do, or vice versa? What do we do then? Let me say clearly that I believe we are first subject to God's law. I believe we first should honor God. We first should respect God. But the way in which we do that is absolutely vital. Uh, scripture backs me up in this. Acts 5.29. <clears throat> Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. If it comes down to making a choice, we first obey God. But the attitude we do that with is absolutely vital. You might remember from Daniel chapter 3, the story of Daniel and his three friends. Uh, they were under foreign rule. They'd been taken out of Israel and, and taken all the way up to Babylon. And there they had this controversy, if you will, uh, from chapter 3. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the, so the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. Nebuchadnezzar was the power. He, he was the authority that God had established in this time over these God-fearing Jewish men. But if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him. Listen at the tone in which they replied. How they do this. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your master's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. It's an explicit command throughout the Old Testament. You shall worship no other God before me. There's a clear contradiction. And these guys choose to honor God before the authority. But they do it with honor and respect. It's a great lesson for us. Choose God first, but do it in a way that honors God. For after all, we are called to be very specific change agents, influences, wherever we are. In Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, he says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town hid on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that you may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We are to be salt and light. 
We are to be obedient as long as those laws don't conflict with God's law. John Stott summarizes the issue. The principle is clear. We are to submit right up to the point where obedience to the state would entail disobedience to God. But if the state commands what God forbids or forbids what God commands, then our plain Christian duty is to resist, not to submit, to disobey the state in order to obey God. So then it comes to this question. How do we express opposition to ungodly laws? If there is clear contradiction between the laws of the state and God's laws, how do we respond? First, I would say, as much as you can, you go as far as the law allows you to go. You can pick it. You can collect petitions. You can write letters to the editor. You can call a talk show. You can write to your heart's content on your own website. And you can make a video and post it on YouTube. You can vote and encourage others. You should vote and encourage others to vote with you. You can visit your congresswoman or your senator. You can sit in a coffee shop and argue with your friends. You can take out an ad in the paper if you like. You can join with others to work for change. You can run for office. Submission doesn't require you to keep your mouth shut about injustice and corruption. All of those things are within the law, at least of our land, right? So if there is contradiction, that's the first level. But then I could say, and I believe, as John Stott said, I believe as God if he were here before us, he would say there are times for civil disobedience. There are times for directly going against those laws. But you have to allow God's spirit to lead you in that. It is not for me today to speak to every instance, every situation. I trust God's spirit. If you are worshiping him and seeking to please him, I choose him to lead, I, I trust him to lead you in the choices to make. But I believe there is a place for civil disobedience. If you feel led to that, let me make sure you hear several conditions that I think have to be present. First, it has to be an issue of clear biblical teaching. It cannot be over a gray area. It, it cannot be over something that God doesn't clearly address in his word. You remember and those three friends of Daniel, <clears throat> it was clear that Nebuchadnezzar would ask, asking them to do something that God forbidded. So in that case, they had to rebel. But most of the time, or many times, it's hard for us to have a clear understanding, a, a clear uh, conflict. Therefore, I think we need to be very careful about choosing to cross the line of breaking laws to protest that injustice secondly, I think it needs to be done publicly uh, so that you can, others can draw the right lesson. So uh, you can make an, a statement, you can influence others with that. It ought to be done in concert with other believers. In other words, I don't think on its own. I don't believe any of us should on our own decide to cause havoc and mayhem. It, it saddens me greatly. <clears throat> to see some people acting in the name of Christ by taking lives of others that they think are doing wrong. That should never be the case. We need to, I think, uh, talk with and pray with other believers 
before we cross that line of civil disobedience. It must be accompanied by prayer and repentance. It needs to be led by the Spirit. And finally, if you break a law, even in civil disobedience, you need to understand that there will be consequences. Perhaps you'll be going to jail, you'll be fined. You need to understand there are consequences for that. Sober subject this is, but let me close in this way. I refuse to grow depressed or discouraged or despairing. I see in our society, our government that was founded by godly people. In the culture we live in, I see uh, things that trouble me. I see directions that we could go that will bring us who believe in Christ in the direct opposition with the authorities. But I grow not weak. I grow not sad. I believe God has called each of us to be both the best citizens of his kingdom and the best citizens of this great nation that we can be. And I believe there still is great impact that we can have as salt and light. I believe that we can be godly rebels for him. I believe that we can represent Christ in the best way possible and as well make this nation the best place it can be. I pray that all of us will enjoy and embrace our dual citizenship. I pray that we'll hear these words and God will lead us forward. Father, as we think about these things today, I understand and know this subject is, is um, rife with controversy. Perhaps today there are questions that we have. I pray that discussions will be had. I pray, Father, that we would seek your truth, your wisdom, in walking this line between being a citizen of a country and a citizen of heaven at the same time. Father, help us to have both your truth and your grace in mind as we go out our day go about our daily lives as we live as civilians help us father to to be led by you for you to lead us in the direction we should go i pray in jesus name amen